from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Hold on, Ed is saying, Ed, are you there? Ed, yes. Can you hear us, Ed? This is the Press Box. <laughs> to answer your question, Jared, before we go to break, and hopefully Ed chimes in a little. <laughs> With Grady and Bischoff. We'll take a break, and when we come back, maybe Ed Grady will be able to hear are us. you guys there? On ESPN Las Vegas. Might have that later this morning when I'm out at Raiders camp. Might not be able to hear anybody. That'll be fun. Make you use clean feet on your phone. Can you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't work very well on our laptops. Imagine if we're on our phones. I got sent a TikTok last night. I'm not on TikTok. I had to send it to the son's phone. I had to turn on his phone. Who had to play it for me. That's where I'm at in life. But you watched it. I did watch it. I did watch it. I'll tell you what it was in the break. It's pretty funny. Who? More importantly, who sent you a TikTok? Tony Sanchez. (laughs) (laughs) What? What? Tony Sanchez sent me TikTok. It's pretty funny. (laughs) But (laughs) that is that that is maybe the best answer you could have given to that question. It's the truth. It's the truth. He sent me a TikTok. The only name off the top of my head I could think of that would have been better is if you told me Mark Davis sent you a TikTok. Yeah, that would have been good. Like. Tony Sanchez sent you a TikTok. Yeah, he sent me a TikTok. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I'll have to tell you during the break what you it know, is. You know, as, as you do. <laughs> but anyway, I called. I, I, he sent it to me. He goes, dude, you got to watch this. And I pressed on it. And I, I guess it takes you to the app. And it says sign up on Google. I'm like, I'm not going through this to sign up. I, and he goes, no, no, push at the bottom where it says no or not now. And I couldn't see that. So I sent it to my son, who was working at the time. He goes, I'm not doing that right now. My phone's off. I'm writing my thesis or something. I don't know what he's doing in the other room. And like an hour later, he goes, all right, I'll show it to you. And he showed it to me and it was really, really funny. And then I texted Tony back. I said, dude, that's pretty hilarious. And that was that. Yeah. Why are you laughing so hard? Because I can't imagine that the TikTok is going to be funnier than Tony Sanchez is the one that sent you the TikTok. Just Dave Rice sent me an Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's the Press Box with Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Might as well start off. The first bite. I, I No, I think we should have just stayed on that the entire, the entire opening segment. No, I'll get, no. Can, Do you think Derek Carr would send you a TikTok? No. No, I don't. <laughs> Can Derek Carr be the best QB in the AFC in October, too? I don't think he can. What's wow. the, so so for the next month, it's at Chargers, home to the Bears, at Denver, home to Philly. One, I think it's really hard to ever be the offensive player of the month for anybody. And uh, so to do it two months in a row, I think that schedule's a little harder, right? The Bears, no, but at Denver's harder. They're good defensively. At the Chargers, they're good. I just think it would be harder for him to do it two months in a row. Well, if you're just looking specifically defense, Philly sucks. Chargers, are they that good defensively? Good I mean, defensive they, line. they did enough against Mahomes, so right. they might be there. So we'll see. Um, I think the the fun part is that Derek Carr, he was named Offensive Player of the Month for the first month of the season. Yes, he was. He's leading the league in passing yards. Granted, I'm I'm pretty sure he's the only quarterback that's gotten to play two extra quarters. That's true. Those overtimes <laughs> tend to help when he goes down the field three or four times, and Brian Edwards keeps catching passes. Because not only... Has Derek Carr gotten to play the two extra overtime periods? They've won the coin toss both times, failed to score a touchdown despite driving down the field. So they've gotten two drives in both overtimes for him to accumulate passing yards, which is, you know, a little bit of an advantage when you're just counting up the passing yards this year. But I would be surprised if he's offensive player of the month again this year, simply because, like you said, 
It's hard to do it. It's hard yes. to be the best offensive player two straight months in the AFC anytime, let alone back-to-back months. But that being said, Raiders are off to a three and zero start. Raiders are doing well. Derek Carr has played well. Outside of the first quarter, Derek Carr has played well. Yes. Josh Dubo, did you say Josh Dubo tweeted out the QB I ratings? Only, I can only imagine after his first quarter. Yeah, in just the first quarter, the quarterback ratings uh, this year. Derek Carr is, I think he's ranked 27th so far. In, in all NFL. first quarters. Because I remember all the first, first quarter quarters. against Baltimore, and his, his rating was like 22. Right, and he wasn't very good in week three either. And hell, he wasn't that good in week two. Yeah. I mean, what did they have going into Pittsburgh? Their most like dominating win of the season. They were up, what, 13 to yeah. 10 or something? They were up like... Three points. They, right. had, they had not broken 20 at, during the fourth quarter, starting the fourth quarter against Pittsburgh. Like this team hasn't really been that good early on in games. They've been awesome in the fourth quarter. And when they get into these overtimes, but early in games, they've, they're kind of just like non-existent, but it's amazing how good they've been after that. So Carr has been awful in the first quarters, but after that, he's been really good. Right. No, I mean, I, again, Mahomes. there's certain guys you could see go back to back. And I'm sure if we look back on it, my guess is Mahomes has done it in his career where he's like back-to-back AFC Conference Offensive Player of the Month. But I just think it's difficult. You're right. Philly's defense isn't any good. Charge's defensive line, pretty good. But at Denver, he's going to face like some tough defenses where I think it'd be tough for him to do this. But look, 64, six, almost 65% completion rate, six TDs, two interceptions. Ah, he's really good right now. I think the guy's really good right now. He's, he's I mean, pro football focus. Top five. He's, I think he's fourth right yeah, now. Yeah, so he's top five. I don't know if it continues. I, you and I both said we think that Monday night so far is the toughest test for two reasons. One, I think Justin Herbert's the toughest test they'll have seen because how how much he throws down the field and how good his receivers are right now, Mike Williams and others. And that defensive line, can they block that defensive line? Because if they can't block that defensive line and boast on those guys, then, you know, the offensive player of the month could have a tough time doing right. doing some things. Yeah, the, the opportunity has been high for Derek Carr. They've had a lot yeah. of drives, a lot of possessions, and without much of a running game, they've had to throw it a lot. So there's been a lot of pass attempts from Derek Carr. And one of the other reasons they've had a lot of opportunities is because they haven't had a lot of turnovers. Right. Carr has thrown the two picks, but one gets returned for a touchdown. You immediately get the ball back. Um, but Josh Dubo tweeted out this, too. Last year, the Raiders averaged 1.5 fumbles per game, and they lost one fumble per game. They had 16 lost over the course of the year. This year, they're fumbling more. 1.7 fumbles per game, but they have yet to lose. But they're recovering them all. A fumble. Yeah. Uh, fumble recoveries have been found to be pretty random. Like, there aren't really defenses or offenses that are better at recovering fumbles. It's just, it's random. Like, it do- it doesn't really matter. It's a you can't really do anything to practice recover. I mean, you can practice actually physically picking the ball up, right? but because the ball bounces in strange directions, because it's, what is it shaped like? It's the stupidest thing you've ever seen in your life. An egg. Yeah. Not yes. even an egg. It's worse than an egg. It's got pointy ends. So because of that, it bounces wherever you right. can't really practice. It bounces fumbles. like a Andre James uh, direct yes. snap to Derek yes. Carr looks. So that's another thing you look at is like, can basically can the Raiders keep giving Derek Carr this many opportunities to throw the ball? Will the offensive line stay this bad? It might. You kind of hope it doesn't if you're the Raiders, but it might stay that bad. But will they continue to have this many drives without turnovers? That's really the other question. They're probably they're going to start turning the ball over more. They've had a lot of drives. Derek Carr's thrown a lot of passes, and they only have two picks and no fumbles this year. There's going to be some turnovers coming, so there's going to be some regression here. Uh, but a lot like we talk about with the defense and Max Crosby, 
how far is that regression? Because if it's just a little bit, if they just come back down just a tad, they're going to be just fine. It's a matter of, well, if they lose three fumbles Monday night, they're not winning that game. Right. If they lose three fumbles in any game this year, you're not winning it. But at some point, that's it's probably going to happen. Like if you keep fumbling three times a game, well, they're only, they're only at one and a half. But if you keep fumbling, you're going to start losing these fumbles at some point. So how big is that regression and how much does it show up in one game versus being spread out over the course of the season? Yeah, I mean, they've gotten fortunate in places and no one wants to get anyone hurt, but TJ Watt getting hurt might have changed it some did. things. That did a lot of changing things. And Moreau and those guys after the game said it changed things. I mean, you can't just take a guy like that out of the lineup and think you're not going to have an advantage over either more time or not as much pressure on him. So they've this week with that Chargers defensive line, this is going to be interesting if they can block those guys. And if they can't block those guys, you know, he could be in a little peril there in terms of, like you said, he's throwing the ball so much. He's he's passing the ball so much that we'll see if if they can't control those guys and there's a lot of pressure on him. You're right. Some things could happen. Turnovers. And, and eventually it's everything's going to even out, right? You're not going to continue to recover your own fumbles. Like, that's right. crazy. So it's going to start evening out. And if they keep fumbling 1.6 times a game, they're going to start losing some of those. And that could, you know, obviously lead to other things for the, for the opponent. Um, you know, 3-0 at this point. Like we we've talked all week, three and zero, and yet they they admit and they say they haven't even come close to what the, to playing their best. We still don't know what that ceiling is because if they haven't played their best, and I don't think either of us believe they have because we think they've they're three and zero, which is great for them, but they have uh, done a lot of things where you wouldn't think that would be their record. So let's see what the ceiling is if they play their best. I don't know if they'll play their best all season. You just don't know when that's going to happen. But they better play. They need to play better Monday night than they have, or it's not going to be four and zero. Like yeah. they can't play like they have the first three games on Monday night and win, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, hell, if you if we went back, if I if you watch the games they've played this year without a scoreboard, I'd I'd tell uh, one you one and two probably. I'd tell you they haven't won all three games. No. I'd be like, there's no way they're probably won one all three and two. Games. Right, but they've been fortunate. But they're three and so oh. If they them. keep playing that way, no, I don't. I don't think they're going to keep winning games the way they've played so far. They've got to play a little bit better. Right. And but you know, it's the Chargers. It's not like you're playing a legitimate Super Bowl team. No. Like you can you can that's that's I think been the key through these first three games. Even though the Ravens are probably gonna end up being good, they've played teams that you can make mistakes against and still beat well, because they're the, the other Steelers teams especially. I don't think anyone yeah. I mean Ben Roethlisberger right now, it's it, going into that game comparative to what we've seen then and since na- since then, they're not yeah. very good and he's obviously near the end. Yeah. And listen, no, the, he's he's past he's, he's past the, the end. Yeah. yeah, he's past the, the end. The Raiders deserve credit for this too. But Absolutely. the Raiders have not played another team that has played their best game either. Baltimore definitely did not play their best game. Lamar Jackson became the first player in NFL history to fumble lose a fumble in the fourth quarter and overtime. Right, like that doesn't happen. Right, maybe that was Pittsburgh's. Best I, that game, might have been Pittsburgh's. Yes, it's not very yeah. good. And but Miami's playing with their backup quarterback, and I don't know how much better he is than Tua. But they threw a he safety. Like yeah. they literally threw themselves into a safety. Like regardless of who the quarterback is, that's like true. that's as bad. Well, as Tua it might gets. have audibled out of it and said, "I don't know if we should be doing this because that Casey Hayward Co- guy's right over there." Coach, this seems dumb. Yes, this seems kind of like a dumb play call. So I don't, I don't think the Raiders have really run into a team that's played very well either, and that's why a big reason why they're three and oh now Raiders deserve credit for that because you, sure you, you can win the games yes, absolutely that. you know absolutely. if it wasn't Casey Hayward out there if whatever if Jonathan Abram was for whatever reason covering that guy in the end zone maybe he breaks the tackle and it's a 70 yard gain or something like that so 109 yard touchdown Raiders deserve some credit for that but I would say they have not yet played a team that's played particularly well against no. them and if but they got the job done. if Herbert plays really well then 
then the they Ra- better play better than the they have. have to match. They have to match to have a chance. And if right. they don't, then Herbert might beat them by right. two touchdowns yeah. or something like that. And now they're three and one, which you look back on it and you said, Hey, you're three and one. Yeah, to start but the you're year. three and yeah. one with the Chicago coming. So you're four and yeah, one, four and one <laughs> to start the year because Chicago is a complete Foles? mess. Nick Foles might be starting actually, at the Legion stadium next week. Actually, Nick Foles had a six touchdown game against the Raiders. Yep. Yeah. I don't, I don't want Was that to be six though. Six or seven. If, if it's whatever not, the NFL record is, he tied it. I don't know if it's six or seven. But whatever the record I, is, he tied it. I don't want it to be Nick Foles no. either. I want it to be Justin you Fields. You want it to be Justin Fields. If even it's not though, Justin Fields, like, eh. Even cares? though the first start for Justin Fields was a disaster, yeah. I'd still much rather see Justin Fields. Disaster or awesome, I'd much rather see Justin Fields than Andy Dalton or Nick Foles. Justin Fields' first start, Tyler, was like a deuce. You flush it. No, you walk away. You don't look at it. Coming up next, <laughs> UNLV basketball. It's first practice ahead of this season. We got some hot takes for you. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Ramirez pitches. Bryant hits a little fly ball to right field. Ramos is going to catch. Here comes Duggar tagging. Here comes the throw. Duggar slides and he's saved. Chris Bryant with the sacrifice fly and that puts the Giants ahead 1-0. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Coming up in 10 minutes, Jeff Erickson is going to join the show. If you have fantasy football questions, you can text them in now. 69187 is the phone number to text. Make sure you put the letters ESPN before whatever your question is. So, Text the number 69187, and your message should be ESPN, and then whatever question you have for Jeff Erickson about your fantasy football team. If you need some help, Jeff Erickson from RotoWire will be here to help you in about 10 minutes. Again, that number is 69187. Make sure you put ESPN before your question or message. Now, UNLV basketball had its first practice yesterday uh, ahead of the season, at least fall practice. They do some stuff in the summer as well. But you got any hot takes? You got any observations, meaningful observations from one day of practice? Lon Kruger should not stand in the back of a gym because everyone knows who he is anyway. (laughs) I think he tried to stay out of the way for Kevin's first practice, but everyone saw him and went over to him. uh, So he was not inconspicuous. No, um, Look, it's one practice, and I know everyone was saying the same thing. They're more athletic than they were. They're older because of all these transfers. Bryce Hamilton, you know, obviously he's going to be the offensive center point, and he, there were times that you understood why as he as he as they went up and down and he um, made shots. But, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hot take. You tell me. Just watching one practice, I would pick them fourth in the league right now. Behind Colorado State, Reno, and San Diego State. I was not expecting a definitive yes. place in the top Mountain West. Top five. Yes, yeah. top five. I would say okay. I'd say Reno. I'd say the first tier is Colorado State, San Diego State, and Reno. And I would begin the second tier with UNLV watching them yesterday. All right. Some confidence. Top five. I mean, that's not much yeah. of a hot take because I'd... I think six through whatever stink. <laughs> so you want to be in the four to five range. Um, so they're not going to stink. No. Now, I think they could be pretty good. I mean, there's that nine transfers. Three returning scholarship players, a freshman. You know, is it the Gardner Webb they open with? Yeah. I couldn't tell you how they're going to look against Gardner Webb. Yeah. I have no idea. Can you? No. I, don't I know. No idea. So I'll tell you my biggest concern from yesterday Kevin Kruger telling us that they're going to rely on Bryce Hamilton to be 
the man to be the guy that scores for him the entirety of the season again, because we have seen that we have seen back-to-back years where Bryce Hamilton has been the leading scorer on this team. Last year, Bryce Hamilton was like the only competent offensive player on the floor. And UNLV's offense was awful last year. They were not, they were not a good team last season. They finished seventh in the mountain West in offensive rating and Bryce Hamilton, largely because he's not a super efficient player as it is, but largely because he was the only one that could create anything was one of the least efficient high volume players in the country. He was bottom 15 in terms of offensive rating among high volume players last year. He was not very good last season. He had the the counting stats, but Hamilton was not very efficient last year. So when Kruger says, Oh, we're going to lean on him. We're going to run everything through him. It's a little bit of a worry to me because they've got to find a way to make him efficient. And the way when he was efficient, Otzelberger's first year when Hamilton sort of broke out the second half of the year the reason Hamilton was efficient was because they had a Maury Hardy and Elijah Mitru Long that could also break down a defense they had two other guys that could create good opportunities they have to have that this year they have to have at least another guy but probably two guys that can create offense that are not named Bryce Hamilton otherwise if you're relying on Hamilton and you don't have that it's going to look a lot like last year and last year was a disaster all right, so, and again, we're prefacing everything here with one practice, but we watched all of it. Then who would be that player? I think Michael Nuga is the best player on the team. Just again, from watching. That's, one practice, that's a hotter take than what I take. gave you on the top four in the league. I think Michael Nuga is the best player on the team. Um, he, to me, looked like the best player in that practice yesterday. He looked like the type of player that can dominate, that can take over. Uh, and also, he's coming back from an ACL yeah. tear that happened in January or February of this year. And... Pretty good recovery. We talked to him yesterday, asked him how he's doing, and he was like, oh, I'm still getting up to full speed. And it was like, dude, you look like the best player on the floor out there, and you're not at full speed yet. So I think that's the big one right there. Michael Nuga could potentially be better than Bryce. We could be talking into the year, hey, Michael Nuga's the leading scorer on this team. Michael Nuga's the guy that everything goes through. Not Bryce Hamilton, which would be Well, it'd be great for them. Right. It'd be great for them, because I do think Bryce is good. Um Another hot take. We're giving hot takes left and right because I see it down here, but I remember this play. Donovan Williams can jump. Yes, he can. If he can jump. Another hot take. He almost hit his head on the rim. Yes. Was uh, that on the reverse? Yes, on yes. the reverse okay. dunk. Um, if Donovan Williams can shoot an average three-point percentage, that guy's got to play a ton of minutes. He's He has to because he is, he looks like he could be really good. The only question is he at Texas, he wasn't playing a whole lot. So right. can he can he get more? Can he be a competent shooter because if he's a competent shooter, then you can play him on the wing or potentially if they go small as a power forward. And if he can shoot, that's going to change that change the game for him. If he can't shoot, it becomes a lot harder to find positions for him to play, find spots for him to play. Because as we saw a lot of times last year, if you don't have shooters, defenses don't have to respect much and it becomes much harder for Bryce Hamilton or Michael Nuger, whoever it is to actually score. But if, if he can shoot, that he's going to have to play big minutes this year. The other thing I like you that you wrote down here, which I totally agree with, that they I don't think they had last year because of what you said about Hamilton. It's a more versatile lineup. You can put more different kind of players on the floor. Yeah, and it, it'll depend on who ends up being good. But if you look at it, they could do things where they play like they could play multiple point guards between Jordan McCabe yes. and Marvin Coleman, or they could play really big. Right. They have David Mwaka. They have Victor Ewalker. They have Royce Ham. Like they could play really big or they could play with a whole bunch of wings out there. Like I 
after practice yesterday, like I walked away thinking like Michael Nuga, Bryce Hamilton, Donovan Williams, and Justin Webster, who can shoot it. Can I shoot walked really away well. thinking those yeah. might be their four best players. The problem with playing those four together is either you don't have a point guard, right. true point guard on the floor, or you don't have a true big man on the floor, depending on who the fifth guy you put out there. So again, some of these guys are not going to end up being as good, right? It's, they're not going to have 11 guys that are all competent Mountain West quality players. So it'll probably figure itself out. But as of right now, Kruger's got a different ways he can go. He can play big. He can play small. He can play multiple point guards. He can play, you know, with the Donovan Williams at the power forward or something like that. Like there's a lot of different ways he could go with this lineup that is interesting. It gives him options and we'll see who's actually good. Gives him the ability to match up if they've got enough pieces here that are competent. I mean, I walked away from that feeling a lot better than I walked in. I, I didn't. Well, you don't know what to expect. There's nine new faces and uh, only three returning scholarship players. But I walked away saying, you know what? They, I mean, it was the first day. So if you're not like I wrote this morning, if there's not energy the first day, then there's something really wrong because <laughs> it's the first day and you better be going 110 percent, which I think they did. I think they were actually better than he actually even thought. He told us afterwards, you know, they'll look at the film and he thought that they would really like what they saw. Um, so yeah, it was, I, it made me want to come back and watch more. Like, I don't know if I could say that in recent seasons where I like, yeah, I want to get back to practice and watch more that team yesterday. And we didn't see much. They were on the far court until they came in and just did their, their shooting for the video for the, for the media want to see more. I'm like actually excited to see them play. And I don't know if I said that much at all. The last few seasons, I'll give you a prediction. Hot Somebody, take. It's not a hot take. It's just a straight just up prediction. prediction. Somebody for UNLV is going to get a technical foul this year for slamming the basketball into the ground. Because when they were doing like four on four and five on yeah. five, like full court drills, and they were like going against each other or whatever, I think it happened three times in the 90 minutes that I was there. Somebody slammed the ball to where it would bounce up and almost hit the ceiling out of frustration. And like that's an auto T if you do that yeah. in a game somebody's getting teed up for slamming the ball this year for, you know, it's just going to happen. It's, they do it three times in the first 90 minutes. I can't imagine it's not, somebody's not going to bo- boil over in a game and slam the ball down and get teed up. My prediction. It's not a hot take. It's just, well, it better be a hot take. Cause if it's a prediction, I, there's a chance I'm probably wrong. Kevin Kruger wins a game before Marcus Arroyo. Oh, that's a good question. Isn't it? Right downtown. Uh, book it. So, <laughs> Here's, We're here's, booking it. We're yeah, booking like, it. Yeah, I will. Like, I will take all the money in my pockets and go to whatever sports book you want me to, and I will bet it on. Here's the schedule. Kruger winning UNLV a game. opens November 10th against Gardner Webb. We assume they're going to beat Gardner I'm, Webb. No, I, that's the assumption is he's winning his first yeah. game. UNLV football in that time plays Texas San Antonio, Utah State, San Jose State, and New Mexico. The Lobos could really make that bad for Four me. Games. The Lobos could. Uh, screw me on that one. But so those are, those are Royo's four shots before Kevin Kruger coaches a game. If not, Kevin Kruger will win a game before <sighs> Marcus Arroyo <sighs> as a UNLV head coach, Hot take. which would be tough because Arroyo at that point would be ON 14. I believe. Yes. ON 14 is ON 10 right now. Yeah. Whereas Kevin Kruger would have, you know, be one and coach <laughs> last year <laughs> He'd be one and oh, and would be the head coach one and oh, after a win against Gardner Webb coming up next, Jeff Erickson joins the show. Send us your fantasy football questions. Now, Text the number 69187. Make sure you preface that message with ESPN. Just put ESPN before whatever your question is. 69187 is the number if you've got fantasy football questions for Jeff Erickson. 
How much does analytics and where does it factor in for you in regards to those decision making? The analytics is just a tool. It's nice to look at the numbers and how they go through the flow of the game, but the analytics changes based on the opponent, based on who you have available for the game and how the flow of the game is going too. You can look at a stat sheet all you want. I promise you, if, if XL was going to win football games, Bill Gates would be killing it right now. Okay, but you know, you've got to take those numbers as a tool and then you've got to go ahead and factor into how your team's playing at the time and what the opponent has as well. You've got to measure your strengths and weaknesses against the opponent every time. And then also in terms of the flow of the game. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Joining us now from RotoWire is Jeff Erickson. If you have fantasy football questions, make sure you text them into our text line. The phone number is 69187. Make sure you just type ESPN before whatever your question is for Jeff. And Jeff, I'm I'm starting with one of my own. Uh, for this week and rest of the season, should I drop Ryan Tannehill for Kirk Cousins? Mm. Do we have Jeff? Yeah. Can you hear us, Jeff? Jeff, you there? Maybe we don't have Jeff. And Jared looks confused, so it, it would imply to me that Jared at pressed the right buttons, and that makes this worse. Normally, if we don't have a guest, it's because like the phone doesn't work or they can't pick up. Can you hear us now, Jeff? Loud and clear. What's going on? Oh, okay, Jeff goodness. Erickson from RotoWire. All right, so my question is: Should I drop Ryan Tannehill for Kirk Cousins? Yes. Okay. <laughs> no AJ Brown this week. If I'd rather have a, I'd rather carry both quarterbacks. But if he's your best drop, then you have to do it. I think Cousins has got better, better skill position, healthy skill position players to throw to. He's dialed in right now. Not a great matchup against Cleveland this week, uh, but Tano might be without AJ Brown and Julio this week. I like to ask you each week before we get to the uh, the questions coming in uh, on our text line about sleepers any any week in the fourth week, uh, who you've marked up and who you've marked down in terms of uh, you know prominent names. So uh, you know the big pickup this week is Chuba Hubbard uh, with yeah. Christian McCaffrey out. So everyone's piling uh, on to get him, and, and well, you should. He's going to be the starter. I can, I'm a little concerned about maybe what happens at the goal line, but I think he gets enough volume there to make it worth your while. Um, I think that a couple guys that are interesting to me uh, that, that are one guy that's moving down is the guy we were picking up earlier is Tyson Williams. You know, they got, he got very little use against the lions in a plus matchup last week. I was concerned about that. Um, I wouldn't cut him, but I'm not as eager to start him either. Uh, just you, you, it shows how close he is on the razor's edge to not having a whole lot of value. Would you rather start Kyle use than Trey Sermon? No, I'd still go with Sermon, although it is frustrating. I'd probably put Juszczyk around 40 in my rankings. I have Sermon around 25. However, Eli Mitchell is practicing this week. I may not start either of them. I might be going Mitchell. 69187, 69187, preface your text with ESPN for Jeff Erickson from Rotowire. Okay, here we go. Chris Godwin or Marvin Jones Jr.? Chris Godwin. Uh, I, I expect to hit the uh the Bucks to throw a lot against the pass on Sunday night, and Godwin's almost always the first target. So good, Godwin. Uh, another question from our text line, and again, Singers into six nine one eight seven. Preface it with ESPN. Should I start Kyler Murray or Derek Carr? The fact that that's even a question just shows how well that Carr's played this year. <laughs> but I'm still going Murray. Uh, so on Derek Carr in this Raiders offense, they 
have not had many turnovers this year and they keep going into overtime. Like do you, how, how good do you think Carr is end of the season? Like, are we talking about, Hey, he was the sixth, seventh, eighth best quarterback in fantasy football at the end of the year. I'd probably say somewhere from 10 to 12, just because I don't think he's going to run a whole lot. Um, he loses that rushing for guys like Jalen hurts are going to pass them. Uh, if they're not already ahead, just because you, you get such a hot, you know, bonus for all those rushing yards. Um, the thing is, they've had two overtime games, which means a lot more volume. Uh, he, and, you know, the, he's facing pretty decent defenses. Um, so that that's a positive in his favor. He looks better. I'll say that. Aside from the pick six against the Dolphins last week, uh, which is a pretty bad one. But, you know, he, he's made up for that and, uh, and more for the most part here. It's an interesting game this week at the Chargers. I could, I could see this one being a shootout. Uh, flex DeAndre Swift or Jamar Chase. I want to ask about DeAndre Swift because Campbell came out and said, well, you're going to see more of him. Uh, he doesn't start the games, but you know, he's, he's, his, uh, his load has been more, uh, uh, than, um, Williams. So where do you think on, where do you stand on DeAndre Swift? Will people see more of them? And then the flex question with, uh, Jamar Chase. Boy, I mean, that's a good problem to have if that's your flex question. Um, I'll say Swift slightly ahead of Chase. I'm very high on both. Uh, Swift, I've got an 11 among running backs, and I could, I think, I could make a case for him over Chris Carson or Zeke Elliott too. Uh, he may not be the starter, but he's, he's an every down back though. That's mm-hmm. the thing. You can get him running between the tackles. You can get him in pass. Yeah, you know, game script doesn't really matter for him so much. He, he's going to catch a lot of passes. He's going to get goal line carries too. Uh, it's just Jamal Williams is there, and he's going to cut in a little bit of his time, so that keeps him from being in that upper upper tier. But Tell you what, I'm gonna in one dynasty league, and every week I get at least one offer for him every single week. Uh, what do you think plays out in the Buffalo backfield between Zach Moss and Devil Sing- Devin Singletary this year? Pain. Um, <laughs> I, you know, you don't really want to deal with it. Uh, Moss is probably ahead of Singletary now, uh, but I, it's just they don't use their backs that much. I think that's the big thing. Uh, that I, I, it's. There, there might be a game somewhere where someone gets 20 carries, but for the most part, even when they're ahead, they're still chucking the ball. Uh, and if they threw to the backs more often, that would be all right. I know Moss had the, the receiving touchdown last week. Makes it a little bit more enticing, but I, I'm, I'm not sold that they're going to get a whole lot of them. 69187, preface of the ESPN. He can start one, Damian Harris, Patterson, or Waddle? Um, not Damian Harris. I hate his matchup this week. Uh, so it's Patterson versus Waddle. Do they say PPR or do they say scoring system? They don't. They don't say. They just ask for. They he, he can only start one, or she. We're okay. Not sure. yes. I, Patterson is a lot more attractive in a PPR league. Obviously, catching a lot of passes mm-hmm. for Atlanta there. Um, actually, we saw Waddle in all the short passes against the Raiders last week. Right. He was like twelve for fifty-eight. Something really crazy like that. Um, I'd say Waddle. But it's it's it's, a, it's almost a coin flip between me and Patterson. Who's been a bigger disappointment, Allen Robinson or Robert Woods? Robert Woods, because the Rams are rolling. Uh, you know that. I, you know, you, you look at the Rams every week; they're hyper efficient. And you expect Woods to be a big part of that there. And Cup has just been amazing, and he's found other targets like Deshaun Jackson last week, Van Jefferson in Week One. I, I still expect. Robert Woods to do more. I actually expect a lot of Allen Robinson still too, but the quarterback situation and the the, the play calling in Chicago is just tragic right now. Uh, but we'll see if that changes a little bit this week. Um, but I, I have more hope for Woods and Robinson right now. Uh, from the text line, Flex Henderson or Hubbard? 
covered. I, I don't know how much Henderson played this week. You know, coming back from the injury, if he comes back from the injury, it'll probably be more of a timeshare with Sonny Michelle this week, I would guess. Because they play on Monday night, we might not know much till later in the week about Josh Jacobs' status. But if he's out, you believe it in Peyton Barber again? Can I not? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, well, here's the thing. In the PPR league, he, he loses a lot of value because he's never going to be a big pass catcher. He looked great against the Dolphins. Credit where credit's due. I, I was wrong. I thought that uh, Kenyon Drink would be the major guy with Jacobs out. And it turns out last week, at least, it was Barber. Uh, I don't think he, you know, I don't know if he can repeat that. It is not a terrible matchup. Clyde Edwards-Lair actually ran very well against the Chargers last week. They may try to, I think that was also a result of them focusing on trying to shut down Tyree Kill. Uh, so, like, you know, find a lesser poison. Uh, and I think that might be the case again this week. You know, he's usable in a pinch. He, if you Say if you have, you know, McCaffrey and you weren't able to get Hubbard, so you're missing a running back, well, Barber could be a port in the storm. I wouldn't want to count on a week in, week out, but it might be, get you through this week. Uh, did you downgrade Tyler Lockett in terms of the knee? Yeah, a little bit. Um, and I want to see a little bit more uh, with the Thursday, Friday practices. Uh, you know, that Wednesday practice is always kind of yeah. a rest day for a lot of veterans anyhow. So, uh, But he could be outside my top 20 if he doesn't practice today or tomorrow. Do the Raiders spread the ball around too much for any of these receivers to be usable? No, I, I think that I, I make Brian Edwards a target. He's just so good. Uh, the routes he runs are so tight. You know, the return, anytime they do throw them, they get in great return. You know, the fact that Waller commands so many targets hurts the receivers, obviously, but I think Edwards and Ruggs, uh, you know, they look the part to me. And, you know, yeah, Hunter Renfro is kind of a fly in the ointment, and he's a fine player, too, for that matter. But it, there, that is a concern a little bit, but I, I think in bye weeks, especially, you're going to be uh, looking at Edwards and Ruggs a little bit more often. Uh, probably Ruggs, then Edwards, uh, and then then throwing that order. Jeff, is the worst fantasy team you've, uh, like the name of a fantasy team that you've heard this season, is it, I wish I was a Waller? I, I probably, it, that's in the bottom fifth percentile. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I, I'm also, here's, here's where I admit that I, don't partic- I'm not particularly good at na- team names and don't particularly enjoy it. I, I like everybody else and their creativity <laughs> team names. I usually just have the same one all the time. It, it's almost always Vicky Shuffle, so uh, <laughs> as a, one of the three West Coast Penguins fans. I guess that's better than just every team being Team Erickson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that or, hey, some sort of joke about Zach Ertz and using the word ball in there and, okay, guys, we get it, you're clever. Uh, I, I get tired of that. Wait, that's Adam Hill's name. <laughs> well, he is Jeff Erickson from RotoWire. Jeff, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Have a good week. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Take care. Do you have, like, Adam loves to come up with the most creative names. I Every fantasy league I'm in, it's Ed's team. Kind of like Fake Horse. <laughs> like, I refuse to name teams. Fake I don't Horse even know is a if better I know name him. than Ed's team. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Team That's true. B? Yeah, team I B. might as well be, like, Team A, Team B. Yeah. All right, coming up next... Man, we've got a great story on a guy who really wants to bring an NBA team to Vegas. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. If the NBA is to give us regulations like we can't, you know, maybe sit at the same part of the plane as the other players or eat in the same room as the other players, my only 
thought on that would be I don't think it would logically follow for us to then play on the court and share the same ball and bump chest and do all those things. So um, if the NBA is going to do those things, I would honor it. Um, but at the same time, what I, I would ask that I, it doesn't seem logically consistent. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. So the NBA is not expanding uh, anytime soon. Adam Silver came out after the NBA Finals and basically said the owners decided now was the not, not the right time to expand. So Las Vegas is not going to get an expansion team. Somebody bum, bum, move bum, here. Bum. But uh, Jay Bloom, we've talked about Jay Bloom before, mm-hmm. uh, he still seems convinced that he's going to get an NBA expansion team. <laughs> he's uh, also convinced he has money. So <laughs> the Review Journal... This phenomenal story. Uh, first off, this is just how the story starts. Las Vegas investor and purported billionaire Jay Bloom says he expects to front $300 million to $500 million of his own capital, along with his strategic expertise, to persuade the NBA to plant an expansion team in the Nevada desert. Quote, I'm anticipating that I'm going to own whatever that represents, <laughs> he told the Las Vegas Review-Journal this week. Now. For those of you that don't know, we've talked about Jay Bloom before because he has talked before about wanting to be an NBA owner in Las Vegas. He thinks he has an ownership group uh, to go and that they could find a way to build a stadium or an arena and have an NBA team here in Vegas. Jay Bloom, it's very questionable as to how much money he actually has. He owns a company that won a settlement that would pay him, I think it was over $2 billion dollars. Uh, but that's really the only thing that he has to show for as far as assets go. He started a company here. I think it was called the mob experience. They went bankrupt after about seven months and people still were saying, yeah, he never paid us anything for that. Now I just want to read from some more of the story in the review journal about Jay Bloom. One of the corporations under Bloom's name, Spanish Heights acquisition company, which also owns his only known residence, a roughly $7 million Spanish Hills estate, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection earlier this year. This type of bankruptcy allows for corporate reorganization. Bloom called the February filing a strategic restructure and said, we're clearing out some legacy liens from the prior owner. Might be realistic, but doesn't sound like a great start. Uh, Michael Mushkin, a veteran attorney at the Center of Litigation Against Bloom since early last year, pointed to court records showing Bloom did not pay recent garbage pickup fees or a roughly $20,000 HOA fine and that Bloom had not paid mortgage on the house in the past two months. Mushkin said Bloom has repeatedly launched commercial fireworks and flamethrowers from his property and encouraged friends to bypass the guarded security gate and failed to notify the association of excessive guests for a party Quote, this is not fair to our community to have people think that this guy is a billionaire, Mushkin said. If you do an asset check on him, there is nothing in his name except tax liens and judgments. I'm excited because I finally, in hearing all that, have figured out who bought the fake chickens. (laughs) Jay Bloom is now the fake chicken owner worth a million dollars. It's a wonderful, wonderful story, actually. Uh, Really, really well done because the... Because the lead is all about, you know, he wants to buy this team. And then everything, and David Farrar wrote it for the Review Journal, incredible story. Everything after that is this is why he can't buy the NBA team. He really has no money. Um, it's, it's, 
funny in the sense that to read the story and everything we're talking about in terms of not having his money, but it doesn't give me any hope that there's an expansion team coming, at least under the umbrella of Jay Bloom, no, right? So, I do not think so. I mean, I loved, I loved every bit of it, but it's like you walk away saying, okay, if an expansion team comes here, Jay Bloom will not be owning it. So he said he, would, he didn't want to talk about his finances. I wouldn't either uh, if I didn't have any. But he, he claims that he has over $3 billion in cryptocurrency. Oh, good Lord. Oh, no. So he might have bought the fake chickens. Is, 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 is that his opening line to Adam Silver? Well, listen, you're going to read a lot about my finances, but don't worry, I've got $3 billion got, in cryptocurrency. I got, three, I got $3 billion in Dogecoin. <laughs> exactly. uh, Adam, have you seen fake chickens racing? Yes, exactly. I'd like to introduce you to where I all mean, my net worth is. If I didn't have $2 billion, how could I buy all these fake chickens? Like, <laughs> uh, like, come on. So I, I also love the idea that there's a lawyer in this neighborhood that is basically trying to sue Jay Bloom because he's been a terrible neighbor. How, first off, what could you do to get a $20,000 HOA well, fine? $20,000, and was it the trash pickup? Well, he has not paid his, his garbage pickup fees, but that is that says for a $20,000 HOA fine, which cannot be real. You cannot no, get but, fined $20,000 for anything related to not your trash cans, right? I don't know. The, I, the day I the day I kept mine out, they took a picture within 24 hours, and I had it in my mailbox, threatening some kind of fine. So maybe you can. If was you never going to be twenty, it wasn't twenty. It wasn't twenty grand. And oh, by the way, I didn't pay that fine because I took my trash cans in. Um, but how often do you have to keep the trash cans out to rack up twenty I mean, grand? Right? He, may ne- he may never put them in. He just takes his garbage from the house and puts them in uh, over by the street. See, I think he's actively. He might actively be knocking over other people's <laughs> trash cans, like, like driving that. in his car and just taking all the trash cans out on a uh, on a Tuesday. Also, he has repeatedly launched commercial fireworks and flamethrowers. <laughs> Maybe that's the HOA fine. Is he just walking down exactly. the street with a flamethrower he, in this neighborhood? Yes, exactly. Jay, you set three houses on fire. We're going to have to fine you twenty grand via the <laughs> HOA fees. I feel like you just arrest him at that point. <laughs> uh, he's a billionaire. <laughs> Is he? How about the litigation? I don't anticipate this being a problem for the NBA. Well, maybe not the litigation, but the fact you don't have a dime to your name might be a problem with the NBA because they're going to want like $2 billion for a team. <laughs> it's an incredible oh, story. Oh, it's great. I like flamethrowers. He doesn't want to talk about where his money Trash. is. It's HOAs. It's unbelievable. But Jay Bloom, he's bringing us an NBA team. We're going to look like idiots in 10 years when Jay Bloom, <laughs> when Jay Bloom is, is sitting owner. courtside as his own NBA team. <laughs>